Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to God is Gray, the podcast. Although I, as a Christian, believe that God resides in absolute truth, in black and white, we as people are stuck here on planet Earth contending with the gray. In church, gray areas often cause dissension, anger, and even hate. But on this platform, I welcome open dialogue, variety of opinion, and differing belief systems. God is Gray is meant to teach, inform, and simply trade stories with kindness, love, and mutual respect. If you have a story or perspective to share, please reach me, Brenda Marie Davies, at GodIsGrayXO at gmail.com. To support the cause and be a part of our community, donate to patreon.com slash gray. Now, on to the episode. The only reason I went to the police is because I literally felt like I heard directly from God, like, I know something that you don't, and I need you to go talk to the police. And so I did, and that's when I found out that he had six restraining orders against him. Two other convictions of sexual assault was a sexual predator, or sexual, a sex offender, hence a sexual predator, um, and had another pending case. And so... Wow. I learned it's not the only one, and it was very, it was a lot of confirmation that I wasn't crazy. Hi, beautiful Hi, people. people. This is Joe Beckwith. She is one of the beautiful people in the God is Great community. And we simultaneously found each other because she has a YouTube channel called Trauma Talk, where she is very candid about her journey of not only physical health, but also mental health and depression and the way she was affected in the church community. The cultural conversation is growing. People are becoming more aware of mental health, physical health ailments, and, you know, there's just a better way to approach these things in the Christian community. I think that's true. There's so much unnecessary hurt that's caused, and I, I hate that. You know, there's there's so many well-meaning people who, like, want to help or want to do the right thing, and they end up hurting people, and that's just heartbreaking to me because it doesn't need to happen. So the more education that we can get out there and the more stories we can tell, I think that's important. Today, I just want to give you guys a trigger warning. We are going to be talking about sexual assault within the church that Joe was in. So if that is too much for you, feel free to tune out. I will also have this available on the God is Great podcast if you just want to hear the audio, but just stick around so you can see all pretty faces. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Are you done to share a bit of your backstory and where you come from? Yeah, absolutely. So I was raised in a um, really conservative Christian church. My family was 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 Christian and like put me in church groups and all that growing up. Then I really like latched on and it was my entire life. My entire identity was like being the best Christian that I could be. And I went off to a private Christian school for the first year of college. And um, that's the only thing that really mattered to me was my faith. Uh, but during that time, I was also dealing with 
uh, things under the surface that I don't think I would allow myself to recognize. I started dealing with what I now recognize was absolutely depression, but I was just, you know, praying harder and just going to more Bible studies and like doing more things. And uh, as I actually had to move back home from my college because of some health issues that I was having, and I started attending this really, really um, charismatic, strict, super, super Christian. I still struggle how to describe it. House church. It was a small group of people who were um, very into things like speaking in tongues and healing and miracles and stuff like that. And I really got sucked into that world, which I don't disagree with, you know, in theory, but the way that it was handled was not great. And there was um, a person there who was one of the leadership who was a, a pastor, essentially, who I became romantically involved with pretty quickly. And uh, I mean, the only reason he was in a church group at all was to find more victims, uh, sincerely. And I found that out as, as time went on. But we were in a relationship for about 11 months, and things were abusive from the beginning. But I was a super, like, innocent Christian girl who just wanted to believe the best in people. And like, if someone was messing up, it wasn't that they were like hurting me. It was that like they were hurting and like, I needed to fix them. Like I needed to be like a good Christian woman, like reach out to them. So as like sexual abuse escalated, I didn't, I, I wouldn't allow myself to recognize it. So that went on for about 11 months. And at the end of it, um, I, he had sexually assaulted me a couple times and it was finally clear enough to me what situation I was actually in and what kind of person I was dealing with. And, uh, I was able to escape that relationship, which I'll forever be grateful for and learned that this was a very established pattern in his life and that he'd been trying with other women in the church and, um, just that he was like a, a sex offender and had a long, 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 long history of abusing people. You call it a romantic relationship, but obviously yeah. you with a predator so yeah, 100% I was 19 um, but I say that I was homeschooled and super super sheltered and Christian so I was 19 age-wise uh -huh. but like maturity and knowing about the world I was not 19. Was he someone that you were already attracted to or did he say anything like God thinks we should be together any of those? Oh. There wasn't there wasn't any God thinks we should be together but there was so much uh, like spiritual mentorship and leadership woven into what was supposed to be like a romantic relationship at the same time. And so there was so much like him preaching at me uh, for different things. And he would, he would use a lot of like, cause he knew how like into God I was. He knew how much my faith mattered to me. And he was like a pastor, right? Like that's the role he was operating in. And so he would often um, kind of set the stage for what would happen later in the evening or later in the day by like really, you know, investing in my faith and like really speaking into me and like, you know, let's, let's unpack this, you know, thing about God or the story or like what happened or whatever. And it was a hundred percent of the time it was to set up for, um, he wanted to take things further than I wanted to go physically later where I had said no a bunch before, but let, let's try it again. Let's see how much farther he could get this time. And so it was, it was always a tactic. Were you being taught in that group at the same times about abstinence or saving yourself from marriage or anything? Oh yes. Okay. Was he a part of that teaching? No, he was no. not. That was the, the world that I'd grown up in. And like my virginity mattered to me so, so very much. Yeah. That was something that like, it wasn't just a teaching to me. Like that was something that really was important to me as, as a person. Um, and he like verbally said he respected that and verbally said a lot of things, but in action, the polar opposite was true. Um, and so, yeah, he would, he would reaffirm all those things with words like, yeah, it's really important that, you know, you're, 
it's really important that you stay pure. It's really important that your body is God's or whatever. And then just, just completely steamroll that. How is he working within those contradictions to convince you to make those compromises? Yeah, I think more than anything, it was, he really had a great way of gaining my trust. Like he was a super charismatic person, like super easy to talk to, knew exactly what I needed to hear. And I was not experienced in the world at all. And I was also super lonely. I was also going through a lot of medical issues. I'm like, I needed, I needed someone there. I was always a people pleaser. And I think he saw that and was like, oh, this is someone who's vulnerable. And I definitely, definitely was. And yeah. so he took time. He took time to like invest in me and pretend to listen and pretend to be there, which is so affirming. And so like, that's exactly, that's exactly what I needed, which is so confusing. Um, but then would just use that and, and other things that he had said and like his, his spiritual authority over me to become very controlling. Um, and then it just kind of, there was also a lot of apology that would happen. I think that's probably the most convincing thing about all of it. There was lots of like, oh, I didn't mean to take it that far. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm just a broken man. Like we should pray together, that kind of stuff, which is, which I bought hook, line and sinker. I was like, yes, absolutely. Like, I know that you're struggling. Like, it's totally fine. Like, I forgive you. It's okay that you like hurt me in that way. Like, I'm fine. Let's focus on you. Cause that's, that's who I was taught to be. I was taught to, you know, fix other people through the power of Jesus's love. Like I wasn't taught to take care of myself. I wasn't taught to look out for signs. I wasn't taught to care about my own mental health or safety. Right. There's a huge, um, I don't know what to call it. Um, outing or exposing of all different denominations, having this underground level of sexual assault and sexual abuse mm -hmm. for a long time yeah. and obviously we've known for decades that that's prevalent or has been in the catholic church and it right. was never really addressed and you know i think the main problem comes down to when people say sexual assault is a sin and yes. not crime and i think the brand new thing that's happening right now is people are realizing the same tactics and manipulations have appeared also in the evangelical church mm -hmm. and the mormon church and all these different denominations and to me the root of it is female submission and praying yes. away sins instead of reporting crimes and feeling like you have a leader and you are the follower and cultivating so much non unquestioned trust for these people that are above us in some way. I think what people don't realize is that we see these as representatives of God and yeah. they are proclaiming to have the characteristics of God because they're following God so closely and questioning that in any way is often discouraged in the church. Yeah. So, you know, obviously the prayer is that this is changing with the Me Too movement and these things that are coming out now. But like your susceptibility to that kind of abuse just goes to show a lot of like the lessons that you were being taught about submission and about not questioning those authorities. Yes. And I think that um, I think that the the way that the evangelical Christian church is, is taught every like taught young women especially i'm not sure about young men but about like sex and sexuality and the purity movement really does a great job of, of setting people up 
to I shouldn't say setting people up to be like victims of sexual assault and sexual abuse, but it does a great job to not prepare you to recognize anything negative, like any bad signs, because anything that happens, at least in the purity movement that I was taught, is your fault. Like if, if you're dressing inappropriately, you could cause a man to think bad things about you. And if he acts on that, well, then that's something that you did. And that is 100% something that he would use against me. Like he would he would say something about like what I was wearing or like how I was acting or whatever. And that like he just couldn't resist or whatever. And I definitely 100% took that on because that's what I heard for 20 years of my life. And I totally believed it. And I mean, on top of that, you don't, you don't want to believe that the people who profess to love you and care about you are actually predators and actually terrible people. And so there are a lot of factors that are playing in, but I think um, the, the biggest thing in that situation was a lot of spiritual manipulation. Yeah. Yeah. Spiritual ma manipulation is huge. And I think the tragic thing that the men learn, and I'm talking about good men that aren't predators, yeah. get these messages that are like, your sexuality is irrepressible. You're just, yeah. all you want is sex. Um, I think men are given so little freedom in the church. Yeah. And it's a generalization, but in the most toxic teachings of specific churches to believe, you know, they can't be vulnerable and cry. They can't take on feminine characteristics and they only want to have sex with women out of this animalistic desire, not out of love or affection. Yeah. Unless they're married, then of course, everything they do is pure and everything. You know, oh, sure. Nothing is that black and white, especially no. with sexuality. It's so much more complicated. So the women are being taught everything is our fault. The men are being taught nothing is your fault. Yeah. And that, that is a recipe for prevailing sexual assault. Yeah. It, I mean, very, very, very much so. That's the reason. That's the biggest reason why I think the purity culture movement was so damaging, at least in my life. Yeah, many, many people. Mm -hmm. um, just so the story makes more sense to, let's pretend we're back at the beginning. I just want to be like the home church. Yeah. And because um, some of the things he was praying with you on were like your depression and stuff, right? No, no, um, not. He would just listen to me. Um, like literally no one had ever listened to me. Just listened and not tried to fix me. I think he actually did an excellent job of pretending to be a really caring person where most people I went to in the church, it was like, if I was struggling with something like, okay, what can we fix about you? Or like, what are you doing wrong? What can we pray away? Or like, what demon are you struggling with that we can, that, that we can cast out or whatever. And he actually didn't do that. Uh, he was probably one of the only people in my life who wasn't like that. And so if I was struggling with something, if I was having a hard time, if I had some issue in my life, he just listened to me. And then, and then like he, and then he might be like, you know, like God really cares. And like, yeah, let's, you know, work on that together, pray about it or like whatever. But there was no, um, he did, he did a great job of not over spiritualizing some things to make it feel like I was actually cared for where the rest of the church, I would say over spiritualized absolutely everything and made it all about like casting out demons and anything you were struggling with was, um, either like a spiritual battle or something that you were doing wrong and right. you needed to fix it by praying more. Yeah. How did you come to eventually recognize his behavior as, you know, being a predator or? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I think I, I think it was a, a bit of a slow, well, it was obviously a slow process. It took me a solid 11 months. 
um, there was this constant denial going on that like, no, that's not, that's not abuse. Like, yeah, I said no a lot and I wasn't okay with that. But then like, I eventually shut up. So, you know, fill in the blank, which is not the same as consent, especially when you've said no a million times. And this is like with everything. Cause I had zero, I had zero experience with anything sexual at all. Um, so it started with like, just like making out a little, you know, hardcore or whatever that I was like, no, this is not cool. But then he would just push and push and push until eventually I shut up. That was like a consistent pattern throughout our entire relationship. Um, and then when it eventually got to sex, I was pretty broken. I was pretty much like putty in his hands. Um, but what, what eventually happened is there was one day, cause I was really not okay with the fact that I wasn't a virgin anymore. And I thought that that was my fault. I didn't think that what happened was rape, though it absolutely was. Um, so I was like dealing with so much guilt over that. And we'd had a really heart to heart conversation uh, a couple days before, like the final thing happened about how, like how I was really not okay with what we were doing and how I really needed to stop. And like, it was interfering with my faith and he was very understanding and definitely, definitely got it. And, you know, heard the same thing from God himself and uh, all that, all that just bull crap. And, um, and then after that, like the next time I went down to see him, cause he had moved at like 30 minutes away by that point. Um, I didn't, I didn't shut up. Like I didn't stop saying no. And he did it anyways. And I actually like blacked out for part of it. And, and that was severe enough that I was like, I know that I didn't stop saying no. Like there was no, there was no way that he could have confused this situation. And like, I felt a, I felt a split almost happen in me where I was like, I can either keep down this path where I am shutting down pieces of myself and shutting down parts of my mind and my heart to pretend like everything is okay. Cause I don't want to see that something's going on or I can acknowledge that something is horribly, horribly wrong. And I'm really glad that I listened to that part of myself. Wow. So that was the breaking point. Mm-hmm. What did you yeah. do from there? Was that a breaking up point? Did you tell anyone? Yeah. So from there, I, Drove home that day and uh, I talked to him about it first because, you know, I talked to him about everything. And he'd also done a really good job of isolating me from everyone else in my life at this point. I was basically not even going to the church. Like he was just it was just like me and him at that point, which is very common with abusers. They isolate you from everybody in your life. Mm -hmm. So I had talked to him about it. I was very vehement that like that was not okay, And he gave me some crap speech. Um, but then I, I did go home and my mom knew that I wasn't okay. Cause she dropped by that day. I wasn't living at home and mentioned it to my brother and my brother called me. Uh, he lived five hours away and I figured like if there was one person in the world who I could trust, it was my brother. He wasn't, he hate, he, not, not a church person. He hated the church. He was like so gone at that point. And so I told him like an overview of what had happened. And he was like, you know, Joe, did he rape you? And I was like, I have no idea. And then he drove five hours at, you know, 12 o'clock at night to come see me and spend a couple days with me and really helped me to like process through things. And then it took me two weeks. I eventually did go to the police. Um, I didn't want to ruin his life uh, for, you know, two weeks. There was a lot of, a lot of care for him. You know, I, I, I did love him. I did care about him, even though a lot of crap had happened that I had to work through. Uh, but eventually, even though I have questions about God at this point, the only reason I went to the police is because I literally felt like I heard directly from God, like, I know something that you don't, and I need you to go talk to the police. And so I did. And that's when I found out that he had six restraining orders against him. Two other convictions of sexual assault was a sexual predator or sexual, a sex offender, hence a sexual predator, um, and had another pending case. And so 
wow. I learned that it's not the only one. And it was very, it was a lot of confirmation that I wasn't crazy. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that is stunning. Yeah. It's crazy too that he wasn't vetted as a leader. You know, it, it was, I, I speak a lot about how I think it's really important that people in positions of power are background checked for that reason. But it was like, a, it was a house church. It was like, it was, it was like a family church. And so it, it took place at someone's house and they brought in like friends they knew and friends brought in friends they knew. And so there wasn't a culture of background checking. There was just a culture of like trust and like God will tell us if something's wrong, uh, which was also a very damaging lie. What kind of advice do you have for anyone that might be experiencing this, might be feeling like they're being spiritually manipulated or maybe feeling like they're sexually compromising against their will? How do you process that and acknowledge that that is not your fault and that you are actually being assaulted? I think if you, if you have a question about it, if you even have like the question about it, I think it's really important to put that into words to someone. A lot of people, like I would, I would probably have gone to someone who was in the church and I probably would have told the story from the perspective that I was feeling it, which was, I slept with him, I'm going too far. Um, and they probably would have just taken it at face value and told me not to do that. So yeah. if someone is in that situation, I, I really think it's important to, even if it's a Christian licensed counselor, to talk to someone who is a professional, um, not not just, I'm not sure if it's great advice to say, like, don't just go to the church, but it's really important to talk to people. It's important to, like, actually speak it out and not just stay in your head because you can you can rationalize anything in your head and trying to get away from an abuser is, is so difficult. There's a reason why the average t number of times that someone goes back to their abuser is seven, like seven times is the average number of time that someone returns because it's so difficult. It's such like a, such like a mind screw up. So yeah. talk to people. Yeah. And you know, I, I have the same thing. I don't, I hesitate being like, stay away from the church counseling. But at the end of the day, if someone is a licensed therapist, they come yeah. with a, an entire background and understanding of, ethics and scientific study and the psychology of the mind there's so yeah. much that goes into it and a lot of people within religious communities are not equipped with that information and yeah. they're also not equipped with the ethics that are required to make those perfect decisions because they don't have the same code of ethics when they're not licensed so i think exactly. it's okay to go to a religious counselor if they have genuine qualifications. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and like I said, I know that like at that point in my life, it was important to like only, you know, trust or go to Christian people. So even if, even if you want to go to a Christian counselor, I would say make sure they're licensed. And, and there's also so much like, there's so much guilt and shame that comes with all of it. It's almost impossible to get away from. Like it, it takes, a, it takes a while, but um, if you listening feel like you might be in that situation, just please know that it's not your fault. I know that it feels like that, but please know that it's not your fault. Mm, yeah, so important. So noting the purity culture that you were brought up in and the way you were taught to understand sexuality and male role and female role in that, um, what kind of tools or, you know, thoughts do you think you were lacking in those moments because of that teaching like do you think 
there's something the church could have taught you that would have helped you recognize that you were being assaulted sooner? Yes. Um, I think one of the most important things about that is there's this message in being pure and purity culture that you submit to your husband and more than that, that women submit to men, you know, that like we submit to God and like, then we submit to our husbands and we just submit to men in general. And so when you're assuming that it's like a male female relationship and a man is being abusive or stepping over boundaries, which is being abusive, you know, so on and so forth, there is not a groundwork or framework to understand that is bad. That is wrong. I should not be treated like that. There, there might, like, you might not be okay with it. You might like, you know, not, not like it or whatever, but there isn't, there isn't the understanding in you to say like, no, this is not okay. And, and I have the right to be respected because you're supposed to submit to them. And so if you, you know, if you're not submitting, if you say no, and it's not respected, well then, I mean, they're still, they're still leading the relationship, even in dating relationships. That's very much taught that like guys are leading the relationships, guys initiate everything, um, and so there's, it's, it's hard to understand that you are your own person. I think that's another thing too. We're like taught that our bodies are gods and then our husbands. We're never really taught that our bodies are freaking our own, like that your sexuality is your own, like you are your own person. Like your, your skin belongs to you first. And like, if you want to say it belongs to God first, that's awesome too. But like your skin is like, you belong to you as well. You don't just belong to things outside of yourself. And that is something that I, I never, I never understood up until recent years, you know, because you're always taught that it's, it's, it's outside of you. Yeah. And I, it, it kind of infuriates me to imagine that some people will hear that and have a major problem with it. Like, mm-hmm. no, your body is not your own. You do belong to God and then your husband. That does take away your ability as a human being, as an individual, to assess when something is being done to your body Yes, that is not of your own will, that it was not of your own submission. And also, I think it's so dangerous because we're taught this blanket statement of, submit to men, submit to leaders, submit to authority because God put all authority into place and also submit to your husband while never being told to check that authority. You know, it's like, at what point do you stop abiding by authority because they are so wrong? Like, does that mean we were supposed to follow Hitler into his charge because he was yeah. a position of authority and God put all authority where it is. And that's an extreme example, but I think that's still an accurate example of how yeah. crazy that can become in your mind. And if you bring it on a smaller scale and it's just in your church or it's just within your marriage, what are you submitting to? What's the character of this person you're submitting to? What are they asking you to submit to? Does it align with your principle? And until we start teaching men and women sexual principle and sexual integrity and consent, we're not going to be able to calibrate or figure out when our bodies are being disrespected or when people are asking us to submit to things that we do not need to submit to ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's the thing that you're you're never you're never taught to examine your what your boundaries are whatever those are for you it's always for someone else and it it's not oh, for someone else it is for you the heart is deceitful above all things oh god shoot me <laughs> yes I know 
it's like all of these and that's that's how people spiritually manipulate i'm like yes that's yes, 100 but also it's used to manipulate people all the time and you have to recognize that yeah um i really wonder too and i've said this to you before i know in the christian community there are trigger words yeah. that a lot of people are hearing that are coming from the liberal side or the side that's against the church or whatever toxic masculinity is one consent may be another one that brings some confusion because it's very relevant to this conversation but it's also a political talking point in some people's mind so how do you yeah. think we can address the idea of consent and what that actually means for someone that's in a religious faith or a practice I think that's a a good and a really tough question because consent is consent across the board. Like it doesn't matter where you are, what if you're if you're a human being, you deserve to have your words listened to, especially when it comes to your own body and your own boundaries. So no means no. Like if you're not okay with something and you say no, or you you don't give an answer, you shut up, you don't move, like any of that, but that's not giving consent. Consent is you are you are on board and you want this. It's not you don't have to you don't have to give in to things because you were taught to submit to other people. Yeah. That's that. If you look at the Bible as a whole, if you look at who God is as a whole, and I, I do truly believe this, like I said, my faith is in question, but I absolutely believe in God. I absolutely believe in Jesus. And if you look at their character, who they are, they don't force things on you. Like that is not the character of God to like make you do things you don't want. Yeah. Like the Bible says to submit to God, but God doesn't force you to do things you don't want to do. And I think if you take that same principle and you apply it to sexuality, if someone is forcing you to do something you don't want to do, if someone isn't listening to your no, if someone is overriding your yes or not, not caring about where you are, that's not okay. And that is not in line with the character of who God is and who and who you're serving. And I think that's important to note if consent is something that is you know difficult for someone to understand, especially in the church, because it is a charged topic and it is something that, um, you know, can be hard to talk about, but no yeah. means no. And enthusiastic yes means enthusiastic yes and your boundaries deserve to be respected amen um and the verse of ephesians 5 22 is the one that's used the most to manipulate women and their sexuality which is wives submit to your husbands yeah. and everyone kind of half-heartedly is like oh and the, the second part is also men yeah. their wives body more than their own body um, I don't hear that message enough. I hear like, yes, you're both to equally submit. But every time I've heard that message, it's been because men are like super sexual and they can barely repress it. And women, you know, you just need to like kind of honor your husband by like letting yeah. him have it every once in a while. I'm like, yeah, I freaking hate women. that. Like, oh, God, no. no. <laughs> like women have just as intense sexual desire. Men yes. just as intense emotional desire and emotional like connectivity so these like gendered stereotypes are doing no one any favors and also it just leads to manipulation because it's always paired with sex wives you're going to honor that submission by physically submitting husbands you're going to honor that submission but doing the dishes for your wife it's like <laughs> the most stupid oh god it's so infuriating i'm like yes Yes, I've never met a male or a female like these they're not resonating with me and if your wife hates sex that much you're doing it wrong like <laughs> oh, there, there are books for you like there there are things you can look into <laughs> like, yeah it's it's just awful but also the thing that drives me insane is 
Christ is always compared, like Christ and the church, that union is always compared to marriage. And people argue against gay marriage, for example, because they say, oh, that doesn't perfectly represent this, you know, whatever. Yeah. Whatever your view is on that, how this comes down to the uh, thought of consent and everything is the same. Imagine, Je is Jesus going to storm into a church and demand everyone bow to him like a tyrant and bring fear to people and even when they're not in pleasure force them to do things that they don't want to do like jesus came to free us to give us eternal life to make the ultimate sacrifice of himself so if you look at all of that and simultaneously your picture of sex is i did the dishes for you now you have to do this thing for me that's how can you how dare you say that is a reflection of Christ and the church and that like ultimate unity like sex is supposed to be that reflection which is meaning both parties are in pleasure both parties want to be there yeah. they're both giving enthusiastic yeses yes and I know that if you've been married for 10 years it might be not be the most enthusiastic <laughs> yes <laughs> in that moment that could just be a sweet consent of like, okay, you're right. You know, I, I'll, I want to do this with you because I love you, but there's never one person there that doesn't want to be there. That doesn't want yeah. submitting. Exactly. And I think, I mean, again, your example with, with, you know, God doesn't, your example with God makes a lot of sense to me because the whole idea of Christianity is founded on the idea that we have choice, that people have free will, that we made mistakes, that like the world has fallen place because we sinned, because we make choices, because God allows us to make choices, because he cares about us, because he loves us and he wants us to want him. Like apply that same principle with sexuality. Yeah, yeah. What do you think is the healthiest way for us to move forward in the religious community? I think the first thing that leaps to mind is to stop treating to stop treating sex like it's some scary thing for starters. Um, we we almost like are like we both over revere it. We like make it this really, really big, massive deal, especially to our young people. We don't actually teach about sex. The only education that we get is don't do it. At least at least where I came from and, and where most of the people that I know came from, the church doesn't actually talk about sex in detail. And if you, you know, if maybe you are, like if you're if you're a teenager, if you're growing up, if you're a young adult and you are thinking about not waiting until marriage, that's not a conversation that is that you can have. There right. isn't a safe place to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. And there is no sex ed whatsoever, aside from don't do it. And that's that's very damaging. And even if you look at statistics, I mean it's more there, there, there are a lot lower risks and people will make less harmful mistakes if you just tell them what's up, if it's an op open conversation, like it's, it's way healthier for everybody. Yeah. I think the church needs to get on that train. <laughs> I agree. I couldn't <laughs> more. Um, well, I really want you guys to go subscribe to Trauma Talk because we just addressed sexual assaults and all of these issues of consent but um joe goes a lot into depression mm -hmm. and also um some physical health issues she's been through and has been very candid about that which i think is amazing um so i will link below to her youtube channel please go subscribe and check out those videos 